With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I am Bryson Carver. We are presented to you by The Grid. It is exciting to be here. We got a packed week six ahead of us in the NFL. We actually got a packed week seven ahead of us in college football. I'll talk a little bit about both. I'll lead the show a little bit. Uh, I'll try and spend as little time as humanly possible on last night's Commanders Bears, two once-proud franchises who are now uh, in the dumpster. I'll explain why that is the case in just a second. But I'll also predict at the end of the show, all the big games in the NFL. We got some big ones, including, obviously, Cowboys and, and Eagles. There's some news for Dak Prescott. Maybe there's a chance he suits up. My man, getting back out there. Also, Bills Chiefs, which is absolutely, without a question, the headline act of the entire uh, Week 6 in the NFL. But there's some really interesting matchups. And I'll go ahead and give you a preview of my predictions ahead of time. I'm kind of liking the upsets. I'm kind of liking the upsets, but I'll save that for later on in the show. Uh, but first, I usually say that usually say, say that statement with some conviction. I have absolutely none right now. Um, the Washington Commanders beat the uh, Chicago Bears 12 to seven last night. If we thought last week was bad, uh, this this made last week look like last year's playoff game between the Bills and the Chiefs. Is that bad of a football game? Uh, First of all, I'm not so sure the NFL shouldn't at least consider. They'd never do it for money purposes, but at least consider minimizing the number of Thursday night football games, if not completely completely cutting it out entirely. Because you see, I heard an NFL player say yesterday, I think it was Dorrance Armstrong of the Dallas Cowboys, who's had a really good year, by the way. And he was talking about his body never really feels right after a game on Sunday until Thursday. So by Thursday, he's just starting to feel like he used to, and you got to go right back out there and play a game. And in this case, at Soldier Field, it was an absolute snooze fest. A little interesting late, I will say that. Uh, Washington gets the ball back after Chicago turned it over on downs after a dropped pass, and they get in the field goal range. Sly misses the field goal, and Chicago goes right down the field led by mostly a, a Justin Fields 39-yard scamper all the way down inside of the Washington 10-yard line. Of course, two dropped passes, tough catches. Both were tough catches, but absolutely catchable. Um, fell incomplete, and the commanders survived by the skin of their teeth. Um, Barry has a suggestion. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm down for this. He said, I honestly believe they need to move it to Friday instead of Thursday. Well, it's an extra day of rest. Um... And in that situation, e even if you say, well, okay, if they play Thursday, they get that Friday off. Yeah, but what's the difference in getting nine days off as opposed to 10 days off? Whereas three days off compared to four days, if it were a Friday night game, big, big, big difference. I heard Joe Burrow talking about that uh, last week in a podcast. But if you look at the quarterbacks, neither played well whatsoever. Carson Wentz did not even throw for 100 yards. He threw for actually 99. He had a QBR of 22, a scale of 0 to 100. He had a QBR of 22. 
Uh, he had a passer rating of 66. Uh, Justin Fields wasn't a whole lot better. He threw for a buck 90, a touchdown, a pick, uh, had a QBR of 28, and a passer rating of 71 below average and way below average in QBR. So let me start on the Chicago side of things. Let's talk mostly about Justin Fields. So Justin Fields, you guys know I really liked him coming out of Ohio State in 2021. I said, of the five quarterbacks, that's to this point certainly the best quarterback draft we've had in a few years. I said, all five are not going to pan out. Anytime you have four or five great quarterback prospects, it never happens where all of them pan out. It never happens. But I looked, I said, Trevor Lawrence has the greatest chance to be successful just because of his God-gifted, just incredible natural talent and obviously his work ethic and his, his football IQ. I loved Trevor Lawrence. Wasn't huge on Zach Wilson. He's looking pretty good as of late, so I'll reserve judgment until at least the end of the season, the beginning of next year, because I am seeing improvement from Zach Wilson. Okay, Trey Lance, uh, thus far, that's looked like my worst prediction. I said Trey Lance would have the best career. Uh, thus far, he started, I think, five games and has yet to really pop in any of them, despite playing with a loaded 49ers offense. Uh, Justin Fields was one. I was like, okay, I really like his talent, but I think it's going to depend a lot on where he ends up. He's in Chicago right now, sort of touching that in a minute. And then Mac Jones, you knew, I didn't like at all. I said he had the lowest ceiling, and due to the fact that he was going to the New England Patriots, I thought he had the greatest uh, chance outside of Zach Wilson to bust. And thus far, two years in, there's a chance he might get his job stolen by Bailey Zappi. But back to Justin Fields, what I'm looking at with him is this. Because I think I've always believed two things can be true. I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy concept for some people out there. But it, it really is the case. Like what I talk about with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he, he won MVP. The triple-doubles are impressive, but he's not a winning basketball player. Two things can be true. Same thing with Justin Fields. Two things can be true, okay? Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Fitzpatrick caught a lot of flack on social media. Fitzpatrick is on the Amazon pregame and postgame show. He said Justin Fields is a one-read quarterback which happens, by the way, happens with a lot of young QBs. But Justin Fields, if the first read isn't there, he takes off running. And that happens sometimes with a lot of guys who are athletically gifted. Like, and that's why you've seen the, that's why to me the improvement of guys like Lamar Jackson has been outstanding. Like Lamar used to, especially his rookie year. First read's not there. I'm the best athlete on the field probably. I'm going to take off running. It's learning to trust yourself, to trust your receivers, to trust the playbook. And Justin Fields has in some ways become a one-read uh, quarterback. What is also true is that, yeah, his offensive line's awful. His receiving core very well might be the worst in the NFL. And play calling has, has absolutely no creativity whatsoever. Two things can be true. And so that's why I still have hope for Justin Fields in the future is because the one read thing, that is correctable. That is something that a quarterback can improve on. It's the other component I'm worried about. One component's totally up to Justin Fields. The other one, though, is up to a pretty dysfunctional Bears front office who just hired a new coach, Matt Eberflus. So you guys know I was not a fan of the hire. I think we got, when you have a young quarterback especially, you need to go in the direction of an offensive coach. They did not. They bring in a staff that's, eh. And it feels like the Bears are once again kind of living in the past. Like, you know, we're going to rely on defense, monsters of the midway, all this, 85 Bears. Man, that's not the NFL today. You cannot win a Super Bowl. You can make the playoffs. You cannot win the Super Bowl. If you don't have, at the bare minimum, bare minimum, a, an above average offense. Look at the last few Super Bowl champions. Okay, last year's Rams. They were more than competent, right? You had Matt Stafford who had a great year. Cooper Cup was the offensive player of the year. OBJ, they could run the ball. Year before that, Tampa Bay. You had the GOAT, Tom Brady. You had the receivers, Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown. You could run the ball with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Year before that, you had the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? We know them by their offense. The reason the Chiefs won the Super Bowl is because their defense finally stepped up, right? And then you had the Patriots the year before that. Not a great offense, but certainly above competent. Right, They scored 30-plus points in the first two playoff games and had a great fourth quarter in the Super Bowl. Year before that, Philadelphia, with a backup quarterback, put up 41 points. Year before that, Tom Brady led what was one of the best offenses in the league in the Patriots, and they won the Super Bowl. And that's kind of the modern NFL era. The last offense to win a Super Bowl, the last below-average offense to win a Super Bowl was the 2015 Broncos, and they had, in my view, one of the greatest defenses of all time. I don't think that Broncos defense in 2015 gets enough credit for how dominant it was. I mean, it was ridiculous. 
that's the last team to do it. And I'm not, I, I can't say I'd really like to rely on that method. Now, the Bears forget Super Bowl. They're not even in playoff contention. They still got a ways to go as a franchise. But the issues on Justin's field, Justin Fields' part are correctable. It's not like, man, he just struggles to stay healthy or his arm strength is, he's got limitations. L- limitations is not the issue for Justin Fields, right? He's a smart kid, he's mature. He's not like one of these younger quarterbacks, say like a Baker Mayfield, you got to worry about off the field. No, he carries himself well. He's got a very good arm. His accuracy is good enough. You can improve that. And he's got the intangibles to hopefully get you to that next level. He just has to improve on not being a one-read quarterback all the time. It's the Bears I'm worried about. As for Washington, listen, you guys know I've never been a Carson Wentz fan, ever. Matter of fact, the very first segment I ever did on carving it up, okay, nearly, let's see, the 14th. So actually a week from today is going to be our uh, three-year anniversary. It's crazy. But first segment I ever did on carving it up is the Dak-Wentz comparison because at that time they were still in the division. They're in the same division now, but Carson was obviously in Philadelphia. I said, Dak is clearly better. Is the arm going to blow you away like it does with Wentz? No. Is the size? No. But intangibles, poise, accuracy, moving in the pocket, durability, you're going to take that any day of the week over Carson Wentz if you know anything about football. And here we are, Dak still with the Cowboys. Carson Wentz is on his third team in three years. It's the decision-making. It's the uh, just questionable, uh, you know, what, what he's doing in the pocket. Like, there was some trips in the red zone. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Okay, now in Wentz's defense, You have an offensive line that is just as bad as Chicago's is. As a matter of fact, Wentz and Fields have been sacked more than any quarterback in the league. They're tied. Okay? You have a receiving unit that outside of Terry McLaurin is pretty bad. And defensively, yes, Washington secondary played well last night, but it's against the Bears, folks. Come on. Most secondaries, unless you're Minnesota, which concerns me a little bit for the Vikings, play well against the Bears. So for Washington, okay. Yeah, you won the game last night, scoring 12 points. I'm not, and your quarterback throwing for sub 100 yards. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, I mean, what do you want me to give you, a cookie? I'm not going to overreact to this. So, uh, I mean, look at the commander schedule from here. They got the Packers. They're not winning that game. At the Colts, I don't think they'll win. Vikings, no. Eagles, definitely not. They could beat the Texans, maybe Atlanta, although I really like where Atlanta is right now. They surprised me a little bit. Giants back-to-back, Niners, Browns, Cowboys. This feels like a four or five win team. This feels like a team that, needs to focus on getting the number one pick, or at least a top five pick and get one of these top young quarterbacks, a C.J. Stroud, a Bryce Young, a Will Levis, a Hendon Hooker. Getting one of these guys. Because Wentz is not the future, and you know, due to his, his some of the decision-making coaching-wise, and I love Ron Rivera, but I don't think Ron Rivera is the, the, uh, the future head coach, which sucks for him because, because he's never had even close to a franchise quarterback in Washington. Year one, he's got a multitude of guys finishing an Alex Smith, a beat-up Alex Smith. A year later, it's Taylor Heineke, who's a backup. And then now it's Carson Wentz, who's an average starter. Like, you're not going anywhere with him, especially when you have a limited, limited supporting cast, which the commanders do. So they still got a ways to go as a franchise. They feel like they're in the kind of that same spot as the Bears. Uh, difference is Washington's probably going to be focused on getting a new quarterback next year in the draft, where I don't think that's the issue for the Bears. They need to commit more to the offensive side of the ball. They need to, in my view, get an offensive head coach in there and move forward and see if you can develop Justin Fields into what you think he's he's capable of, of doing. But let's just hope, let's just hope next week, Saints Cardinals, which that's a fascinating matchup, right? You got that great Saints defense against you know Kyla Murray, the playmaker that he is at quarterback. Let's just hope next week is better than than this week and last week. I mean, up until the fourth, I'm sorry, the third quarter of this game, we are not at a Thursday night football touchdown in two weeks. Come on now. The only winner in this situation is the NFL due to ratings and Jeff Bezos due to, you know, the, the, this, this deal. So, man, this is, this is not good. All right. So, listen, man, we, we've got some, we got some big time matchups in the NFL uh, coming up. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The 
Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This weekend, but also some big college football matchups. Um... Let me touch on real quick some of the playoffs going on baseball. Guardians, I watched that game today. Guardians beat the Yankees 4-2. I told y'all coming into the series, I picked Cleveland to win in five games for the very reason you saw today. The very reason you saw today in this game. Yankees are completely reliant on the on the home, home run ball. They can't get on base. Cleveland can. And their bullpen doesn't hold a candle to Cleveland's. The Cleveland Guardians bullpen through four games in the postseason have yet to get up, give up a run. Think about that. Four games in the postseason, two against the Rays, two against the Yankees. They have yet to give up a, 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 a run. They get on base. They play baseball, in my view. <laughs> I hate to sound like really old-timey. I mean, I'm 19. I guess I can't sound that old-timey. But focusing on just getting base, relying on pitching, that is the playoffs. By the way, the Guardians closed the season way better than the Yankees. They finished 24 and 6. Okay, now they're now 3 and 1 the postseason. And I said at the end of the day, when it came down to it, Terry Francona versus Aaron Boone. Like that's I don't even think any of any of us even argue about that for a second. Okay, Aaron Judge went 0 for 5 today. After the John Carlos Stanton run in the first, that was all she wrote offensively for the Yankees. That was it. So, great win by, by the Guardians. I can't believe I'm finding myself rooting for Cleveland. But, I mean, because you, you guys know I can't stand Cleveland sports or their fans. But I will always root for a Cleveland team. Uh, whether it's, you know, back in the day, whether it was the old Cleveland uh, team name, now the Guardians. Give me those guys over the Yankees. Okay? They got the Phillies up six zip on the Braves, barring a pretty miraculous comeback by Atlanta. It looks like Philadelphia might might be about to be a win away from the NLCS, which is... I mean, it's, it's crazy. This is why I love the postseason. Because you got three NL East teams make the playoffs. Braves, Mets, Phillies. And the closest one thus far to reaching the NLCS is not the Mets, who got knocked out in the wild card. It's not the Braves, who are probably about to trail 2-1. It's the six-seed Phillies. But listen, relying on their pitching, the bullpen's been excellent. Timely hits. Uh, Reese Hoskins, early in the game, the third inning hit. Uh hit a three-run shot in the, in the left and had, it wasn't a bat flip. It was a it was an angry Gronk spike. Reese Hoskins spiked the bat. It was awesome. It was, it was epic. It, it was still not as good as Jose Bautista. That's still my favorite bat celebration that I've ever seen in the playoffs, but uh, it, it, it's, it's up there. And Dodgers and Padres, by the way, play tonight. First pitch a little after 8.30 Eastern uh, in San Diego. Or 5.30 Eastern in San Diego, 8.30 if you're here in the East Coast. But college football as well, this is without a question, it's not even a debate, the biggest college football weekend of the season. Okay, you got Penn State, Michigan, 10th ranked Penn State, 4th ranked Michigan, sorry, 5th ranked Michigan, playing at noon tomorrow on Fox. Michigan is a 7-point favorite. I'm probably going to go with the Wolverines to win that one, but close. They've been in some dog fights in the last few games. Okay, you've got Oklahoma State, TCU, 8th ranked Oklahoma State, 13th ranked TCU. Both of those teams also undefeated. Uh, TCU is a 4-point favorite. I'm probably going to go with TCU to win this one uh, by a field goal. I do not think they cover. Okay, you've got uh, Mississippi State, Kentucky. That's an interesting one, the SEC. Uh, Bulldogs are favored minus three and a half. I'll probably go with Kentucky. I think they get Will Levis back. And then USC, Utah uh, tomorrow night at 8 Eastern on Fox. Utah is a three and a half point favorite. I will take USC. I'll take USC to get the upset and win by four. Of course, the granddaddy of them all, though. It's the third Saturday in October. It's the Tennessee Volunteers. My Tennessee Volunteers, who I'm, of course, repping today. Hosting. The big bad Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm going to predict that at the end of a show after I do after I do my NFL predictions. I'll just I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to predict that game at the end of the show. But we got NFL predictions, so let's get right into it. We're going to start with our first game uh, being. Hold on, there we go. The San Francisco 49ers taking on. The Atlanta Falcons. Now, before I predict that game, uh, let me go ahead and show my Week Five record. Last week went ten and six, improved on back-to-back nine and seven uh, uh, records. So my overall record, if you include last night's game, which I picked Chicago to win, I am forty-five, thirty-five and one. So hope, hopefully, you know, trying to improve on that as we go along. But we got an NFC matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and 
the Atlanta Falcons. Niners are a five-point favorite in this one on the road in Atlanta. And this is an interesting one, okay? Because the Falcons are sitting there at two and three. You know, we saw how close they came to beating Tampa last week. And that's the thing for the Falcons. Most of their losses have been close. So being able to hang in to some of these games, I think Arthur Smith's done a good job with a limited quarterback in Marcus Mariota. We know about the weapons they have. Drake London. It looks like a Kyle Pitts I read today is questionable. So we'll see if he's able to go. He's going to be a big component, especially against what's the best defense of football to me, the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, we know Atlanta can run the ball pretty effectively. The offensive line has been better than expected. It's the, It's been the defense that's been their biggest problem. And going against the 49ers offense where Jimmy Garoppolo, you know I'm not a big Jimmy G fan, but he is playing well. He's playing mistake-free football, you know, running the football well with, with, with their backs, with a beat-up offensive line missing Trent Williams. Thus far, you can't tell. As great as Trent Williams is, best left tackle in football, this Niners offensive line is more than holding their own. Debo Samuel's having an excellent year. You know, will George Kittle play? That's kind of up in the air. But, but Juwan Jennings doing a good job. Ayuk. So this feels like a game that San Francisco does cover, but I think it's barely. I will take the 49ers to win this game 27-21 to over the Atlanta Falcons. Right off the bat, we're going to go to Bryson's Bleak Bet. The new segment I debuted, debuted this season. It's the one pick a year that I have absolutely no confidence in whatsoever. We all love those games, right? And it's this week. This week's edition, Bryce's Bleak Bet. The New England Patriots taking on the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland in this game is favored minus two and a half. This very well could be the worst game of week six in what is a great week six. But you've got... The Patriots in a situation where, where Mac Jones is questionable to play with that ankle injury. If he's not able to go, it will be Bailey Zappi for effectively a third straight week. It'll be a second start, but obviously he came in relief early for a concussed Brian Hoyer against the Packers. Whereas you got the Browns coming into town, coming off a loss against the Chargers in which they weren't able to hit a game winning field goal at home. Both teams sitting at two and three. Both teams really, really desperate for a win to stay in that playoff picture. Cleveland just trying to keep things afloat for long enough to where Deshaun Watson comes back later in the year, although there's another accusation for Deshaun, so this dude can't stay out of trouble. But be that as it may, they're hoping Deshaun's able to come back after the 11-game suspension is up and them still be in playoff contention. As for New England, okay, they shredded the Detroit Lions defense last week. Albeit the Lions are the worst scoring defense in the NFL, so that isn't saying a whole lot. But then again, this is a Patriots team that is is bear. It's a bear cover in that, at that wide receiver position, okay? So doing what they did to the Lions last week, I'll give them kudos. But this is a big week for Cleveland because they're missing Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward is out. So to me, that decides it. I don't feel confident whatsoever in this pick. I'm going to take the Patriots to get the upset and win 24-17. I think they will run the ball effectively against Cleveland get a win on the road against the Browns and get to 3-3. Three and three. Patriots will win this game 24-17. That is Bryson's bleak bet. Uh, whether it's Bailey Zappi, Mac Jones, I think they'll probably go with Zappi. Make sure Mac Jones is right. Ankle injuries are not something you want to mess with, so I'll take the Patriots to win. Moving right now to our upset of the week. My upset of the week, give me the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets over the Green Bay Packers. 26-22 at Lambeau Field, and here is why. You got two, three, and two teams right there. Vegas is watching a different team than I am. I'm convinced Vegas is watching a different Green Bay Packers team than I am. I don't know if they're watching the 1966 Packers or the 67 Packers that won the first two Super Bowls. I don't know if they're watching the uh, the 2010 Packers or the was it the 91 or the 92 or three Packers, whichever team won the Super Bowl in the 90s with Brett Favre. I don't know which team they're watching. I don't know if they're watching the last two 13 and four Packer team. I don't know. They say the same Packer team. Okay, Aaron Rodgers, okay, by his standards, is having a pretty darn pedestrian year. Okay, you look at his numbers in his career through the first five games. He ranks, is, is in his career, he's 14th best in his career in passing yards per game, 14th best in his career in yards per pass, tied for 13th in his career in touchdown passes, and tied for 11th in his career in passer rating. Does that sound like the back-to-back -back MVP to you? Four-time MVP overall to you? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some of it is... The game planned by the Packers is awful. Some of it is he has absolutely no trust whatsoever in his wideouts, whether that be Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. Uh, he has trust in Randall Cobb, but Randall Cobb is not a deep threat by any stretch of the imagination. Neither is Alan Lazard or the two kids that I talked about. He's been too reliant at times on the, the security blankets, the tight ends. So this has been a Packer team that I said the formula to win for them is running the football effectively and relying on your defense. Well, neither of those have worked. The defense hasn't been as good as we thought it would be, and the running game has been excellent. But Matt LaFleur's just uh, abandoning the run. <laughs> Up double digits on the Giants last week, and he just stops giving the ball to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, both averaging five yards a carry. So, I don't have any reason to believe that th- this will be an improvement by the Packers, where he's got the Jets coming into town. Let me tell you something about the Jets. And I said after the draft, heck of a draft. Okay, their first four picks are all playing and all playing well. Sauce Gardner is everything I thought he'd be. I said, this is the Jets' next Darrell Rivas. He has got a chance to make eight, nine, ten Pro Bowls. That's how great he is. He has Hall of Fame-level talent, and he is playing outstanding. He's got a great chance, possibly, to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Sauce Gardner's been excellent. Uh, and, and against a Packers team where the weakness of their roster is wide receiver, with an Aaron Rodgers who does not trust his wide receivers, with a defense that's really struggled, You heard it here. Give me the Jets to beat the Packers. 26-22. Again, how the Packers are 7.5-point favorites, I honest to God don't know. Vegas is watching a different game than I am. They are watching a different team than I am. Give me the Jets over the Packers in my upset of the week, 26-22. Let's see. We got a comment here. (laughs) Barry says, Bryson, you hate Green Bay, LOL. It's like me and the Clippers. Listen. Packers, Clippers, what have they accomplished in the last decade? They've won a lot of games. What have they done in the playoffs? Well, the Clippers done the playoffs. Well, the Packers done the playoffs last decade. Not much. Okay? And again with the Packers, what am I supposed to be optimistic about? I can't be optimistic about Aaron Rodgers because he's not playing even close to the standard that we expect. The defense isn't playing up to par. The running game is. Matt LaFleur just stops giving Dylan and Jones the ball. Jets over the Packers. Moving on now to a divisional matchup. You got the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Colts are favored minus two in this game at home. This is a fascinating one, folks, because you got two two win teams in what is, to me right now, the worst division of football, the AFC South. Jacksonville coming in off two rough losses. They go up 14-zip on Philadelphia and get manhandled from there. They come in last week at home against, at, at the time, a winless Texans team, the only winless team in the NFL, and get... Completely shut down offensively. Trevor Lawrence threw a bad pick in the end zone. That is the biggest flaw for Trevor Lawrence. It's it's a little Matthew Stafford-ish. Uh, really, really careless with the football at times, especially down in the red zone. He's got to clean that up. They're going on the road, though, to play a Colts team, okay, who is really struggling both offensively and defensively. Now, defensively, some of that is because Shaq Barrett. I'm not sorry, not Shaq Barrett. Um, um, Shaq Leonard is out for this game who is one of the premier linebackers in the NFL. So he's gone. But offensively for the Colts, with with Matt Ryan, who I thought was supposed to be a a huge upgrade over Carson Wentz. This is a Colts offense that, it's needless to say, it's been pretty darn bad. Okay, you look at their start to the season. They had that tie against Houston where they scored 20. They get shut out by Jacksonville in Jacksonville. They score 20 against the Chiefs, 17 against the Titans, and then 12 last week against the Broncos. Now, all of those teams, most of those teams, have respectable or very good defenses. Jacksonville, eh, not really. We talked about Jacksonville having that long winning streak at home against the Colts. The Colts have a similar winning streak. And I have a feeling that this is going to be a nip and tuck game, as divisional games mostly are. And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to make that one mistake late in the game, just like he did last week against the Texans that cost the Jaguars. I said the Jaguars were a six-win team this year, with all of their loss or most of their losses being nip and tuck down to the wire. I think this is one of them. 
Give me the Colts to win this game and get over 500, beating the Jaguars 21-20 to in this game. They're favored by two. I do not think they will cover, but they will beat Jacksonville outright 21-20. to Moving on to an interesting game. Uh, you got the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, in this game, Minnesota is favored minus three. I almost had this as my if I were a betting man game. Explain to me, folks, how the Minnesota Vikings are only getting three points. I get they're on the road. I get that. But we know two is out. Teddy Bridgewater is also out with a concussion. So you got young Skylar Thompson in there at quarterback who really struggled last week, which I'm not going to be brutal on the kid. He, just, he got thrown into the fire last week against the Jets on the road. But young Skylar Thompson, okay, with a defense that, folks, I don't think we're getting uh, it's getting enough attention. The Dolphins' defense is not playing that well this season. They had the one game against Buffalo where they played well. They had that 40 minutes. Buffalo had 40 minutes time of possession, and Miami still, you know, ended up holding them under 20. But they gave up 40, sorry, 38 against the Ravens, 27 against Cincinnati, and then a 40-burger against the Jets last week. So going against a Vikings offense where Kirk Cousins is starting to pick up his stride a little bit. Keep in mind about Kirk Cousins. It is not primetime. It is not Monday night football or Sunday night football. So not much to worry about in that regard. Justin Jefferson is doing Justin Jefferson things, folks. He's 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 making it as tough as possible for us not to call him the best receiver in football. You got Dalvin Cook running the ball well. The offensive line's been good. The only concern for me about the Vikings has been their defense. Last week, they're in a nip and tuck game with the Bears. We just looked at how bad the Bears' offense was last night. It's the same offense to put up 20-plus on Minnesota. That's the only thing I'm worried about, and maybe that's why Minnesota's only getting three points due to the weapons Miami has. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and company. But I still think with the, obviously, the superior quarterback, with, in my view, a superior coach, I like Kevin O'Connell way, way more than I like Mike McDaniel. I was never a big fan of the Mike McDaniel hiring. I would love the Kevin O'Connell hiring. I'm going to take in this game, shoot, where is it? There it is. I'm going to take the Vikings to cover this game quite easily, I might add. 31-16 to over the Dolphins with the Packers' loss. I think that will put the Vikings two games up in the NFC North. You guys know I really liked Minnesota coming into the season. I feel like this is a team that will win the division and win a playoff game. They'll go to 5-1, and one, beat the Dolphins 31-16. to We got a little uh, revenge-ish game next. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. It's the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome in the Big Easy. Now, Jameis Winston's once again out, so that means it's Andy Dalton for a third straight week. Well, this is going to be Andy Dalton's second opportunity to start against the Cincinnati Bengals. He started against Cincinnati a couple of years ago when he was in Dallas, played very well. Cowboys won that game quite convincingly, although Joe Burrow did not play in that game due to injury. So now you got this game in the Superdome. Both teams are sitting there at 2-3. and three. The Saints offense had its awakening last week against the Seattle Seahawks, scoring 39 points. Cincinnati only scored scoring 17 in a loss against the Baltimore Ravens. This is the game that I went back and forth the most on this week. Because on one hand, I'm like, Saints defense is excellent. They had a bad game last week against Seattle, but all in all, the pass versus the secondary, they're outstanding going against a Cincinnati offense that's really struggling. The offensive line still cannot protect Joe Burrow. What's new? Jamar Chase is really struggling to separate right now, which I did not see coming. They're dealing with injuries to T. Higgins and company. They're running the football not as well as, as they did in the postseason last year. And on the other hand, I'm like, it's Joe Burrow versus Andy Dalton. That's what made the decision for me. Give me the Bengals to win this game over the Saints who are favored minus two. I'm sorry, the Bengals to win this game. Bengals are favored minus two and a half. They'll win barely. They'll cover barely over the Saints 24-21. I feel like this is a game that comes down to a game-winning drive midway through the fourth quarter for the Bengals. They'll come away. This is maybe Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase's breakout game this season uh, as it looks like they're not quite on the same page thus far in 2022, the same way they were last year when they made the Super Bowl. Bengals win this game, get back to 500, 24-21 over the New Orleans Saints. Moving on to the Baltimore Ravens taking on the New York Giants. Who'd have ever thought the Giants would be sitting there at 4-1? But under the coach who thus far through the first month of the season is absolutely the coach of the year, Brian Dable. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Behind Saquon Barkley, who is the NFL leader in scrimmage yards, he's back. He looks back. He looks excellent running the ball. They've run some Wildcats with him, uh, uh, some Wildcat packages, especially down inside the five yard line. He's been great in those. This is what I'm looking at. So Baltimore big win last week at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Lamar Jackson, up and down game, but came up clutch in the fourth quarter on that last drive. Against a Giants defense, led by who? Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale was the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, okay, from 2018 to 2021. And so you had that sort of, again, sort of like a revenge-style game. So he knows Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson knows him. They, you know, face a lot against each other at practice. What I think it comes down to is two weaknesses. Ravens secondary is their weakness. One game against Cincinnati doesn't fix everything, folks. The Ravens secondary is their weakness. The Giants wide receiving unit is their weakness. That is obviously along with Daniel Jones. So this feels like a sort of back-and-forth type game. Yeah, I think Brian Dable with his outstanding situational awareness keeps them in it for a while. But this is Lamar Jackson we're talking about. This to me is still... If he's not the front runner, he's still the top three in my view for MVP. Give me Lamar Jackson. Give me that man who's going to get his money next offseason. Give me the Ravens to beat the Giants 28-24 to in a really good game. One of, the, one of the better 1 o'clock window games could come down to the last minute, but I'll take the Ravens to beat the Giants 28-24. to Moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you want to talk about mismatch. So first of all, Tampa Bay on the road is favored minus nine and a half. So needless to say, Vegas loves Tampa Bay, and they should. This is easily, and without question, the worst matchup in the NFL this season this week in terms of strengths and weaknesses. Where's Tampa Bay's strengths offensively? It's wide receiver. It's Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. If Julio Jones is healthy, we know what Julio Jones can still bring to the table even at this stage of his career. Cameron Brait, they can run the ball with Leonard Fournette. As for Pittsburgh, they are missing not one, not two, but three corners and Minka Fitzpatrick. Not to mention TJ Watt has obviously been out since week two. So you're missing five defensive starters. Offensively, also, you're missing Pat Fryermuth, who you guys you guys know I really like. Where you got Kenny Pickett thrown into the fire against that top five Tampa Bay Bucks defense. I may do cartwheels on the show if the if, if the Steelers win. I, I may do the show uh, with. I mean, I, I may like get a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. I don't know. Pittsburgh's not winning this game. There is no chance of them winning this game. That's why I have the Buccaneers winning convincingly, thirty-eight to twelve. You heard that right, thirty-eight to twelve over the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think this game is over at halftime. Again, when you talk, want to talk strength on weakness, wide receiver on defensive backs for the Bucs and the Steelers. This game feels like it, it, it's, it could get out of hand very quickly. Give me the Bucs over the Steelers. I think this could get very ugly quickly at Acrisure Stadium. She's still behind Steel. Uh, all right, moving on now to the afternoon window. You got the Carolina Panthers taking on the defending Super Bowl champion, uh, uh, Los Angeles Rams. Rams, who'd, who'd have thought they'd be sitting there at two and three this season? But you have a multitude of issues. You have the fact that they can't run the football well. Cam Akers is away from the team due to personal reasons, and he struggled to hang on the, the, onto the football. Okay, Matthew Stafford has be completely become a one-read quarterback. We criticized Justin Fields for that. Matt Stafford's done a little bit of the same. Okay, so you, you, it's, if number 10's not open, Coop Cup's not open, it's bust, especially with that offensive line that he's playing in front of where it's third-string center, you know, last year, the second-string left tackle, I mean, this is a, a little bit of a makeshift offensive line in some ways for the, the Los Angeles Rams, and they're struggling. But it's not like it's going much better for the Carolina Panthers, who are 10-point underdogs in this game at SoFi Stadium. Because the Ram, I'm sorry, the Panthers are sitting there with their coach just fired, Matt Rule, with Baker Mayfield out, P.J. Walker in, although it's not like we wish Baker obviously the best in his, his recovery from that ankle injury, but it's not like Baker was giving him a whole lot. As a matter of fact, he had the worst QBR in the league. He got P.J. Walker sitting in there, who coming into training camp was the third string behind Baker and Sam Darnold. You have a situation where a lot of times when a coach gets fired, usually it comes after kind of an ugly loss, which the Panthers did last week. They did suffer an ugly loss to, to San Francisco. A lot of times you see, just for one week, 
that team play with a little bit more mojo and energy. It happens. So to come to this game, 10-point dogs, Rams aren't playing well. I am going to take the Rams to cover, but by exactly 10. I think this is actually an interesting game to watch. This could be a little bit, if, if you're going to bet the Carolina Panthers, do so at your own risk. But if you do, man, you could win some serious money. That said, I will take the Rams to beat Carolina 27 to 17 because the end of the day, as, as much as I don't trust Matthew Stafford in the slightest, I'm going to certainly trust him a lot more than I'm going to trust PJ Walker. So I think the Rams win this game, get back on track. Uh, just like the team they played in the Super Bowl, the Bengals, I think the Rams would get to three and three, get back to 500, and win this one 27 to 17. Moving on to a divisional matchup Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks, Arizona, a two and a half point road favorite in Seattle. Now, we know about the Seahawks offense. You know, it seems like they actually got better with with the departure of Russell Wilson, which I would have laughed at you if you had said that before the season started. But here I am a week ago. I'd eat crow and I completely bought, I completely sold my stock of the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson as well. The Seahawks offense looks really good. DK Metcalf is playing well. Tyler Lockett's getting open. The big blow, though, for the Seattle Seahawks, Rashad Penny, gone for the year. It's a huge, huge blow to Seattle the way he was playing. But Geno Smith is playing like a top 10 quarterback. He's not that, obviously. But he's playing like one thus far through the first part of this season. The big issue, though, which I worried about coming into the year, is the Seahawks' defense, which has been pretty much atrocious. Back-to-back weeks, they've given up 30 plus, 38-plus points. They give up 38 to—I'm sorry, 40—they've given up, yeah, 35, 39-plus points. 45 to the Detroit Lions last week, 39 against the New Orleans Saints. Just because you're playing on the road don't mean you got to give up 40 points every single game. You have a situation where Arizona comes in. Here's something that maybe y'all didn't know. Kyla Murray has kind of struggled in Seattle. If you look at his career numbers on the road in Seattle, they're not great. A Seahawks defense has struggled, but an Arizona offense that hasn't been much better outside of Kyler at times and Hollywood Brown. So DeAndre Hopkins, this is his last game out. He's going to be itching to come back. Kyler Murray is going to be itching for him to come back. Situationally, I think in divisional games, it comes down to that. And if it's Pete Carroll, Cliff Kingsbury, you know I'm going to roll with Pete Carroll. I think this is a close game. Uh, I, I do not think the – I'm, I'm going to take Seahawks plus two and a half. I'm going to take the Seahawks to win outright 30-28 to 28 over the Arizona Cardinals. It'll be yet another game of Seattle scoring at 30 or more points. Give me the Seahawks to beat the Cardinals 30-28. to 28. And now the game that we have all been talking about, that all the pundits have discussed who the best quarterback is, who the best team is, who the favorite is to come out of this particular conference. It is the rematch of the game of the year. From last season, the 4-1 Buffalo Bills, the 4-1 Kansas City Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium, Nansen Romo on the call, CBS, it's a big one. This is the games that we, this is the game that we all circled when the schedule came out. Week 6, October 16th, Bills, Chiefs, we gotta watch it. Allen Mahomes once again, the Bills are two and a half point favorites at Arrowhead. It is the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career that he has been a two and a half, I'm sorry, forget two and a half, that he's ever been a home underdog. That's never happened in Patrick Mahomes' career. It's happening now. Here's what I'm looking at. First of all, we're going to have a lot of points. I'm just here to tell you right now, okay? This is a Chiefs, first of all, on the Chiefs side of things, okay? They've got a, a, a defense that's tied for 24th in points per game, 26th in takeaways, and dead last in QBR. That, that is not the combination you want against Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Gabe Davis. as the last thing you want to hear. Buffalo, on the other hand, though, the secondary struggle a little bit. And the thing for the Buffalo Bills, which I will give them credit for this, they have never played down to the competition. The teams that they have beaten outside of Baltimore, they have beaten badly. Rams, Titans, last week against Pittsburgh. The teams they've beaten, they've smoked. And so, when I'm looking at this one against Kansas City, this is the game that Buffalo uh, players have circled since since May. We, we, you think we've been circling it? These guys have been chomping at the bits to get back on that field at Arrowhead Stadium where they had their hearts broken. Obviously, everybody remembers 13 seconds left. That's the third. It's, it's the it's it will forever be known as the 13 second left game. Kansas City, though. 
Offensively, haven't missed a beat despite the loss of Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, four receiving touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, who I said yesterday is the only quarterback in NFL history that I would rather I would rather have him as my quarterback trailing double digits over Tom Brady. Doesn't mean Brady's not the GOAT, because he is. But down 10 or more points, Patrick Mahomes over any quarterback in NFL history. And I think he's going to trail by 10 or more points on Sunday. But the patience of Mahomes, the fact that the Chiefs are like, dog, we, we beat this team in 13 seconds. We, 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 can, we can score on any defense in the NFL. A Bills a secondary that is still dealing with injuries. It's back and forth. It's high scoring. It's not as great as it was last year, but it's an exciting one. But the Chiefs, despite some of their problems at kicker due to the injury to Harrison Butker, will win this game at the gun on a walk-off field goal by a final score of 37-34 to 34 over the Buffalo Bills. They will win this one, get to 5-1. and one. We talk about the Bills have a chip on their shoulders, so do the Chiefs. Like, timeout, we beat this team last year and we're underdogs? Come on now. Give me the Chiefs to win this one 37-34 over the Buffalo Bills. And moving on to the nightcap, the second best game of the weekend. You've got an NFC East matchup, the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles in this game are favored minus six and a half. Now let me stop the music for just a second. I don't ever do this in my predictions. I, I, I'm a big believer in pick integrity. Okay, because yeah, I picked the Bron like I picked the Broncos to win the Super Bowl this year. It's the dumbest pick I've ever made on the show. But I'm not going to move off of it, not because I believe the Broncos are going to do it, not because I have any faith they're going to do it, but because that's what I picked before the season. That's what I picked. Like, I, I got to stick with it. I, you know, it, there, there's a certain level of integrity that I think is supposed to come with that. Okay? But when I'm looking at it, at this game, you guys know Dak Prescott's my guy. I've been a Dak Prescott fan since he was at Mississippi State University, balling out with the Mississippi State Bulldogs. You guys know that's my guy. I'm going to put a caveat in this game. If Dak plays, if Dak doesn't play, let's put the music back on. Dak Prescott has been listed as questionable. When the injury report came out on Friday, when I saw it, like I'm looking at the list for Dak and I'm thinking, I was going to say either doubtful or out. Because we know Dak threw during practice on Wednesday, threw off to the side, and then was a limited participant in practice on Thursday. C.D. Lamb went as far as to say, he looks back. All right, they say he's, still got, he's got the zip and power in the ball that you want. So to my knowledge, to, from what I'm hearing from the Cowboys players, Dak's ready to go. If you give Dak the option of whether he was going to play or not, he would play, obviously. Players want to play, as I always say. But you have the, the fact that I don't think the medical staff has cleared him to play yet. So that's kind of a that's kind of dicey. Mike McCarthy said that we are, are are coaching this game. We are planning as if Cooper Rush is going to start. And so with all of that said, if Dak Prescott doesn't play, I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles to win 21 to 16. Because of the fact that I, I, I think the Cowboys defense will keep it close for a while, but they have yet to play a mobile quarterback. And that's a whole different ballgame. Jalen Hurts, mobile is an understatement. He has obviously improved as a passer. But something in my gut, knowing Dak Prescott the way I know him, heck, even knowing Jerry Jones the way I know him, tells me that Rain Dakota Prescott's going to play on Sunday. And because I think he's going to play Sunday... This game is... We're a betting man. We're a betting man. Not only am I going to take the Dallas Cowboys plus six and a half. I'm going to take him to win this game if Dak Prescott plays, of course. 26 to 23. The passing offense will finally... The floodgates will open. Dak Prescott, we know the connection he has with Michael Gallup. With Dalton Schultz. The fact that the running game has improved drastically. With Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, the fact that the offensive line has, in my opinion, due to the injuries and guys they lost in free agencies, overperformed. Tyler Smith has actually played very well. Tyler Biotish hasn't been awful at center. Zach Martin, we know what he brings to the table. Jason Peters, we'll see if he's able to suit up and play here and there, especially on run packages. But if Dak Prescott plays, if I were a betting man, Cowboys plus six and a half. And if Dak plays, Cowboys win it outright, 26 to 23 over the Philadelphia Eagles.
So I guess in both cases, so there you go. Let, let me put it back up. So if Dak plays, I think Cowboys win by three. If he doesn't, Cowboys lose by five, 21 to 16. But either way, that's still Cowboys plus six and a half. So if I were a betting man, give me the Cowboys plus six and a half. And if Dak plays, I got them winning. I got the boys winning. One more prediction, though, before we get out of here. It's the third Saturday in October tomorrow. It's the biggest game of the college football season at this point. The third-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide comes to Rocky Top to take on my University of Tennessee Volunteers who are sitting there at the sixth-ranked team in the country. Both teams undefeated. The big question coming this week centers around Bryce Young's health. We know he had that shoulder injury a couple weeks back against Arkansas. He did not play last week in what was a nail-biter against Texas A&M. Jalen Milrow came in, didn't look all that great. His timing was a little off. Bama relied heavily on the running game with Gibbs, who, in my opinion, is top five for Heisman, the way he's playing. Here's the thing, though, for Tennessee. Whether Bryce Young plays or not. The Vols defense, number one in the SEC in quarterback pressures. That's pretty good. And the secondary has struggled, but the best way to help your secondary, get pressure on the quarterback. And the Tennessee offense, eight consecutive games of scoring 30 or more points. Hennon Hooker, to me, is second for the Heisman behind C.J. Stroud. He wins this game? Oh, he'll vault to first. Best believe that. Our best receiver, Cedric Tillman's out, but Jalen Hyatt has played tremendously. Brew McCoy, the transfer from USC, has been great. Guys like, like uh, Princeton Fant has been a good security blanket for Hendon. They've run the ball with Javari Smallwell. This is an offensive line also that has played excellent. You know who I got. Give me the Tennessee Volunteers to beat Alabama 38-35. How on God's green earth, Alabama's favored minus nine? Is unknown to me. And if you look at the reports, everybody who's putting their bets in is putting in Tennessee plus nine. Yeah, you think? <laughs> you think? Yeah, that's that's the most obvious bet of, of, of the weekend in sports. And by the way, we got a great weekend in sports. But if Tennessee wins on Saturday, which I believe they will, once again, 38-35, I'm act a fool on Monday's show. You think you guys thought I celebrated when my Warriors won the NBA championship four months ago? By the way, four months ago to the day on Sunday. We gonna have a celebration on Monday if we beat Alabama. So stay tuned for that. Until then, that is all the time you have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Monday. As always, at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time. Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitter. Also be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It helps the channel grow exponentially. Carving Up Podcast. Subscribe to the Grid Network, where every Carving It Up Live a full show, as well as clips that I upload on YouTube from the show, is, is uploaded, so subscribe to the Grid Network. And, uh, yeah, that's about all we got. A great football weekend, some great playoff baseball going on right now and the rest of the weekend. So going to have a lot, and I mean a lot, to discuss on Monday's show. And if my balls pull it off, which I think we will, against Alabama, I'm going to act a fool on Monday's show. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So, hope everybody has a great weekend. Please continue to stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Love you, Mom. You're the best. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.